My subject today is understanding the Sabbath, but I'm going to go a little further than just that toward the end of my lesson and uh, have a reason for talking to you about <clears throat> these situations that Jesus confronted. If there was anything that he was criticized any more than the Sabbath, I don't know what it would be, but he was criticized for doing things on the Sabbath. He healed, he opened blinded eyes. One time he withered a man's, a man had a withered hand, he, he, he healed it. And other times somebody was demon-possessed, he cast them out all on the Sabbath day and sometime in the synagogue. Sometime, one time in our lesson here that we're going to start out with, he was, and, um, he was going through the cornfields. I've got some things I want to bring out to you a little further on down in our lesson here. So you should be getting your handouts right now. And what you're getting is, of course, this uh, paper. And I'll focus it here to give us uh, as clear as we can get it. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> I want you to look with us at the very beginning up here. Luke chapter 6, verse 1. And uh, this is the text I'm going to use here tonight to get started in our Bible study. And it reads as this, 6-1, came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat rubbing them in their hands, eating the corn, of course. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? In other words, they're picking corn. They were working as they were condemning it to be. Verse 3, Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this, what, da what David did when he himself was unhungered, and they which were with him, how that he went into the house of God and did eat, did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with them, which it is not lawful to eat, but for the priests only. And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, I want to talk to you, first of all, I'm going to talk to you about the Sabbath itself because the Sabbath is the seventh day, and I'm going to show you where this all came from with these uh, Jewish leaders in Jesus' day. There were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the priests. There was the high priest, and then there were, there were the priests, and then there were uh, the elders, and all of these were religious leaders, and they all lived by what they call the tradition of the elders. It wasn't necessarily iron fast in the Old Testament scriptures, but it was the traditions that they held fast to. And they expected everybody else to do the same, and they condemned Jesus for not holding to the traditions, not the scriptures themselves, but the, the traditions of the elders. And so... Uh, 
I'm going to have you would, if you would, to go with me uh, here in that number one. In the Old Testament under Moses' law, the Sabbath was held on the seventh day as the day of rest. Now, before I get in, in started in this, let me just say this. There are good people who worship on the seventh day. Uh, there are apostolics that worship on the seventh day. They believe the seventh day should be the day of worship. And they, there were those that were way back there. There's nothing wrong with worshiping on the seventh day. It's just that if you worship on the seventh day, don't condemn others who do not. That's the main thing. Because the condemnation is not against the, the, those worshiping on the Sabbath. It's them saying that that's the only day that you can worship. We'll get into scripture on that in a few moments. But this is why that the Jews themselves followed this. I'm going to give you scripture for it now. They had bonafide scripture for this. This is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 8. Now these are in your notes here. Uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 20 and verse 8. Exodus 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor, do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou nor thy sons, nor thy daughters, thy mind, nor thy main service, nor thy maid service, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. Notice here that he said, remember the seventh day and keep it holy, that six days you should labor and, and not work on that seventh day. This was what it was, it was in the Old Testament. I'm also going to Exodus chapter 23. This is the next verse. Uh, Exodus 20, I'm sorry, I'm way up here. Exodus 23, 12. Exodus 23, 12. <laughs> Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, that thine ox and thy donkey may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. So what the Lord says that on that seventh day, uh, nobody works. Everybody takes off, and the Lord established that. He established that seventh day of the week for a day of rest. He also went a little bit further and said, every seven years, let the land rest. They couldn't farm the land every seven years. They had to let it rest. And seven times 70 years, which was the 50th year, seven times 749, then the 50th year, the one following, was called the year of Jubilee, in which anybody had ever lost their land, it was given back to them, and so forth. And there's a, a lot involved in that. And But the Lord was so anxious to make sure that people rested. In other words, those that had could not abuse those who did not have and make them work, 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 work until they just dropped over from exhaustion working all the time. So this was why the Lord established the seventh day of rest. It was, it was established as uh, a day of rest. And that's what we have up here. The, the word Sabbath means rest. Notice that it means rest. That's what the word rest, so it was a day of rest. Now, I'm going to go to number two here, and that is that the commandment of keeping the Sabbath on the seventh day was for Israel only. Now, I'm going to give you scripture for that. 
Go to Exodus 31. Exodus 31. And look with us in the 13th verse. You have it there in your scriptures. Exodus 31 and verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Notice here the Lord was telling them that this is something you need to keep because you are Israel, the children of Israel. Throughout your generation that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Look down in verse 16 and 17. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. To observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Verse 17, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. So notice here that it was committed to the children of Israel that there should be the keeping of the Sabbath day. Now I'm going to go to number three here. Look very closely in this. In the New Testament, the early church observed the first day of the week the first day of the week, as the Lord's day, because Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And it was observed as the Lord's day. Now, let me give you a scripture for it. We've got several here I want to show you. Look at Luke 24, 1. I'm sort of laying a foundation here for what we're going to be talking about here tonight. Look in uh, Luke 42, 1. Yeah, well, let me get to it. Luke 24.1, hang on. All right, all right. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, now this is a description of the resurrection of Christ. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came, these are the women, unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Now, I've just pointed this out to show you here that Jesus was rose on the first day of the week. As you well know, when they got there, the sepulcher was empty. There's an angel there told him he's not here, he's risen, and so forth. So Jesus rose on the first day, and it was called the day of the Lord because of that. I'm going to move into some other scriptures here to show you something. Look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, that's what we just did here as communion. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and to continue his speech until midnight and so forth. Now, I'm telling you this because I want you to understand this was a very common practice for them to have their day of worship on the first day of the week because it was the day of Jesus' resurrection. Go a little further here, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. Upon the first day of the week, 
Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. He's talking here about offerings. He was getting an offering together uh, from these Corinthians to give uh, to, uh, actually it was the church in, in, in Jerusalem that was going through some hardships at that time, and Paul was receiving an offering for them from the Corinthians. So he wrote this letter to them about a lot of things. And one of them, he says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay aside and store, because that was the day that they all came together. So he said, on the first day of the week, do these things. Finally, this is just a little added thing here. Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1 and verse 9. And this is when John received the book of Revelation that was given to him on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he was on the Isle of Patmos, and it was a, uh, an island where he was working in the salt mines. Paul was 90, I mean, John was 90-something years old here at this point. And John was, uh, was an old man, and they had put him in the salt mines working on an island off the coast of what's today Turkey. It was as part of the uh, part of, uh, of the Grecian islands, Greek, the Grecian islands in there, and uh, it's called Patmos. And they put him there to work on it. And so this is what happened on a on a Sunday. I John, verse nine, one nine of Revelation. I John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos. For the word of God, that's why he was there, because he had been preaching the word of God. And for the testimony of Jesus Christ, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And if you got your Bible underlined that, the Lord's day, because it was on Sunday that the Lord appeared unto him and gave him the book of Revelation. Now, all I'm doing here is trying to show you that in the early church, that Sunday became the day of worship. And it followed on through that way. And so this is why that in the New Testament, we worship on Sunday. Now, let me establish something here. That the Sabbath means rest. And Sunday is not our day of rest. It is our day of worship. It's our day of worship. And... uh Look at number four here. Sunday, the Lord's Day, was not established by the early church as a Sabbath day of rest, but it was a day of worship. And so when they came together, they would worship. Now, you could worship on, on any day, but they simply established a day in which they could worship God, glorify the Lord. And to this day, Sunday is still regarded by most of Christianity, whether it's liberal or conservative or whatever, is still regarded as being the day of worship, not the day of rest. If any of you trying to make Sunday a day of rest, you'll get worn out because, because coming to church and worshiping is not altogether a day of rest. Praise the Lord and everything. So, but there is a day of, of, of worship for us that's on Sunday. Uh, now, this is interesting, and I'm going to go to number five here. The apostles condemned observing the seventh day or any day 
to be more sacred than any other day. That's interesting. So that whenever those Jews would come to Jesus and condemn anything he did because it was on the Sabbath, the Apostle Paul and the apostles who wrote in these epistles, they let us know that that is not the case anymore because the Sabbath, it means rest, but the seventh, the, the first day of the week is the day of worship. We worship. Now, look in Colossians 2.16. Colossians 2.16. Yeah, let me find it myself. All right, hang on a second. Let me find it. Okay, here we go. All right, Colossians 2.16. Let no, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. And see, that was another thing going on in that early church, is that they were trying to make everybody to abstain from certain meats. Where the Lord had already told Peter, when he appeared to him in the housetop, slay and eat. And he said, no, Lord, I, I won't eat anything except that that I'm supposed to eat, according to the Old Testament. And the Lord said, everything I've made is unclean, slay and eat. And he was trying to tell him that from now on, I'm going to be working through the Gentiles. So that you can eat whatever Gentiles eat all over the world, you can eat that. And so where it was in the Old Testament, you couldn't eat pork. In the New Testament, you can't eat pork. In the Old Testament, you couldn't eat shrimp. In the New Testament, you can eat shrimp. In the Old Testament, you couldn't eat lobster. In the New Testament, you can eat lobster. In the Old Testament, you could eat a locust. Did you know that? How many of you eat locusts, grasshoppers? Anyway, yeah. in, the, in the Old Testament, I can show you scripture for it. They were allowed to eat those things. But anyhow, that's another story. I am saying here that the Lord was saying that from now on, uh, no, let no man judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day. Now, we're talking about the Sabbath here or the seventh day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. So here's a scripture telling us here that in the Old Testament, it was a shadow, so to speak, of the real things to come. It was a thing that they did. But the New Testament would have a, would, a, would be a spiritual environment in which men would live and walk with God and serve the Lord. I'm going to go to another verse of scripture here. Uh, this is in Romans 14. Go to Romans 14, 5. Notice this very closely here. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he regardeth it not. And he that eateth, eateth the Lord, and he that giveth the Lord thanks, so forth. Now, I'm just pointing out to you here is that Paul, in writing these scriptures, was saying you don't regard one day higher than the other. So if a person says, oh, you have to worship on the Sabbath day, that isn't true. You can worship any day in the, in the early church. The first day of the week was a day of worship. Now, if anybody here wants to worship on Saturday, that's fine. 
And we have it over here. We have a Seventh-day Adventist church. These people come and worship on Saturday, and they are good people. We share. We share our parking lot with them. They share their parking lot with us. We've been doing that for years. They're very, they're very honorable people, and I say nothing negative at all. I'm just saying that if somebody that did worship on Saturday said, no, 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 you are sinning if you don't worship on Saturday. No, 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 it's not that. It's just a preference. So, so be it. So I choose Sunday. You know, it's my day of worship. Praise the Lord. My day of worship. Now, let me go a little further here. Look at number six here. Look at number six. One of the big, big criticisms of Jesus by the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders was their lack of keeping the Sabbath. That was their criticism by these Jewish leaders. And they interpreted it to be kept literally as the tradition of the elders. Now, they had gotten away from the commandments of the Lord that the Sabbath day was for them to rest and not to work. They, remember, I'm, I'm still on this subject here that the Sabbath means rest. That it was for them to rest, not work. They had gotten into it to be not so much what Moses' word and the law of the Old Testament said, but what the elders claimed that was what they believed. That was the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes. I mentioned some of them to you while I go to the priest. And they all had little quirky beliefs about themselves, and they were trying to hold Jesus' feet to the fire on what they believed and what their elders had taught them and told them that they had to believe. And Jesus kept saying to them, you're following the elders, the, 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 you're following the teachings of the elders and not the Old Testament scripture itself. And he condemned them in some places. He says, you say this, you say that, you say that. That's not even in the scriptures. That's, that's your, that's your elders that are teaching you that. But what you need to do is go back to the word of God. Now, let me just say this today, folks. The Word of God is the most wonderful thing in the world. Thank God that we believe in the Bible, that we have a Bible, that we can study the Bible, that we can read the Bible. There was a time in ancient Christianity when they condemned people from reading the Bible. And they said, the reason you should not read the Bible is because you wouldn't understand it. And you have to have somebody, you have to have a priest to explain to you what it means. So if you don't, if you read the Bible for yourself, you get all confused, all messed up. So they forbid people to read the Bible. And the Bible was put on the carpet. They left it in Latin or they left it in the Greek. The Greek Orthodox Church left it in Greek. Said it can only be interpreted in the Greek language. The Latin said it can only be in, in, interpreted in the Latin language and everything. And when others came along, began to read the Bible in that language, and they knew that Latin language or that Greek language, they said, wait a minute, man, we are way off course because the Bible says such and such. This is why we have to stay with the Word. This is why when I teach you and talk to you, I read Scripture. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I read two or three verses here to show you how in the Bible this is the way it was. Now, I'm saying all of that because as long as we can stay with the word, 
uh, Jesus would tell them, tell them that. He says that, uh, Jesus said in one, spot, one place here, he said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen. Folks, whenever all the heavens, I saw the beautiful moon tonight driving to church. And uh, half, it's a half moon. It's so beautiful, clear sky. And I thought, Lord, that's such a beautiful moon. And it's been around since the beginning of time. And it's still just as beautiful and just as gorgeous as it's always been. How many generations had looked upon that moon and just looked at it and seen the beauty of it and so forth? The Lord put it there. But it'll pass, it, it'll pass away one day. So will the sun. So will the stars. But his word will never pass away. Oh, hallelujah. That's why you can, you can stay with the word. You'll never go wrong in it. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's why the scriptures are so important for us to hold fast to and to believe with all of our heart that God's word will never, never pass away. So when we give you these scriptures and everything, praise the Lord, God is saying, hold fast to the word of God and not believe in traditions, but to believe in the word itself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go back here to Luke uh, 6, 1 again. This is where we started out. Uh, Luke 6, 1. I'm going to drop down to uh, verse 6 and show you something here. This is, uh, this is where Jesus went to the cornfield and his disciples ate the, ate the corn. And the Lord talked about David. And I'll get back to the part about David eating the showbread in a minute, but look at verse six came to pass also another Sabbath that he entered, entered into the synagogue and taught. And that was a man whose right hand was withered and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. Folks, isn't that, isn't that amazing? Healing, healing. What a wonderful thing that is. Jesus was healing people right and left and they were watching him like this watching him like a hawk to see if he would violate the traditions of the elders. Oh, that was so sad. And it goes on to say here, verse 7, the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. This is verse 7, verse 8. And he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. And I imagine those guys' eyes all got bug-eyed and they were watching this like a hawk, see what Jesus would do. Then said Jesus unto him, them, I will ask you one question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking around about upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Instantly he was healed. And look at verse 11. And they, that's the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, all of these that were there. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. I'm telling you the attitude that developed here with these people because Jesus was doing what he was doing on the Sabbath, and he kept on doing it on the Sabbath. He'd do one thing and then another. You can start reading the gospel books 
where Jesus was doing his ministry. He'd go into these synagogues and would teach, maybe, but he'd also heal. He'd do things. And I'm just trying to tell you here today that the Lord, praise the Lord, will do great works if we open the doors and say, Lord, we want you to do it. This is your kingdom, your your people. It is your church. It is your gospel. Praise the Lord. This is your word. Hallelujah. And we beseech you, God, to do whatever you want to do in the midst of us. Praise God. Amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let me uh, move on here a little bit further here. Uh, Look at number seven here. The New Testament keeping of the Sabbath is fulfilled in us when we receive the Holy Ghost. Now, this is how the Sabbath is kept by us. It's kept with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to show you this in Scripture now. Look in Isaiah 28:11. I'm going to go right down the line here. If you'll notice, there's one, two, there's three groups of Scriptures there. Look in Isaiah 28:11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. He's talking about speaking in tongues now as as does happen now in the New Testament, which is among us. To whom, he said, this is the rest. Everybody say rest. rest. Let me read that again. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom, he said, this is the rest wherewith you may rest may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. That was the Jewish people as a nation would not hear when it happened. This is back in Isaiah, and it's a prophecy of whenever the Holy Ghost would be poured out and people would begin to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and they'd be witness that this was the rest. This was the rest. I've told this before. I'll tell it again for what it's worth. But... Uh, Years ago, when I was a student at the Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota, there was, uh, I think it was two men and a woman that were studying for doctorate degrees at the University of Minnesota, came to our church service one night. And what they were studying was the effects of receiving what we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. That's what they were studying, believe it or not. And it came to a Sunday night service. And in that service that night, there was a girl that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost down the altar and was been praying. And finally, she just got broke through and was talking in tongues and kneeling on her knees and just worshiping God. And everybody else sort of sat back and took it easy and got quiet. And she was just talking in tongues. And those people came down. And they sit with the pastor and they said, if you could, if you could put a, have put a monitor on her, a, a blood pressure monitor on her, when she was praying and seeking the Lord, it would have been very high, active. But when she burst forth and began to speak in tongues, they told him that. This is, they told Brother Norris that. When, when she broke forth and began to speak in other tongues, there was a rest that came over her. And a peace came all over her. And if you were to take her, her pulse, it would be like she was almost like she was sleeping. We know that because we have checked this out with other service Pentecostals like you people. And we do not understand it. 
And I understand it, and you understand it, because it's the rest that God puts in the soul. Folks, there is a rest that comes with receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, hear me closely on this. You know, this is a very important, this is where we're really getting down to here tonight. There is a rest that you can have in the Lord. You can be so troubled, so perplexed. You can have all kind of things going on. But if you could begin to pray and seek the Lord and wait on God and enter into that rest, there's a rest in the, the Holy Ghost that will rest your soul and rest your spirit. And you can simply say, I feel peace with God. Everything is okay. That's the rest of the day. You understand? That's the rest for this day today in this New Testament period of time that we're living in. It is a rest that is through the Spirit of God. It's the rest. Now, let me go a little bit further. Go to Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord said that. Now remember that. That's even if we're saved, if you're getting burdened down with things. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And let me give you another scripture in Hebrews. Now look at this one very closely here. This is where the Apostle Paul sort of wraps up this wonderful thing on truth about the rest of the Lord. The rest. Praise God. All right. Hebrews 4 and 1. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, we are to enter into his rest. That is, by the Holy Ghost and through the Spirit of God. Now, he said, let us fear lest that this promise being left of us, that somebody comes short of it. Let me just say this today, folks. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, don't stop short till you get it. That's what these services are for, these evangelistic services, these altar, these altar services down here. It's where you come, lift your hands, you worship God and say, God, I want your spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to, you know, I want the end. And you don't have to worry about trying to speak in tongues. God will speak through you. It'll just happen. It'll just happen. Praise the Lord. God will give it to you. I was 16 years old. Never been to an altar in my life in a Pentecostal church. I'd been to Pentecostal churches, but never been down to the altar. I'd sit back and watch it. I went down to that altar and got to praying. I got to crying, wailing, boo-hooing, repenting of all my sins, pouring my heart out to God. And somebody whispered in my ear say, and said, say praise the Lord. And I said to myself, I was trying to pray. I can't say praise the Lord. I don't know how to say that. I've never said that before. I don't say praise the Lord. And they kept saying, say praise the Lord. And then I heard another voice over here say, how, say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. I said, I don't say hallelujah. I don't know how to say hallelujah. 
And then I heard another voice say, say, thank you, Jesus. Those three phrases kept coming to me. Say, praise the Lord. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, hallelujah. And finally, 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 I said, well, these voices keep coming to me. People were just praying around me. They were praying for me. And I was going, ah, crying. I'd been praying for probably 45 minutes. I don't know how long. I, I lost track of time, maybe an hour. And finally, I said to myself, they keep telling me that I'm going to try it. And folks, I said, praise the Lord. And when I did, my body shook all over. I had sore knees from being roller skating the night before on a Saturday night. We had gone to a roller skating rink and had fallen and skipped my knees up. And they were sore as they could be. And I was kneeling on my knees. And when that, when the, and that happened and my body began to shake, oh, it hurt my knees. Oh, but oh, it felt so good. I said, no, I'm not going to say that no more because my knees hurt. And I kept hearing him say, praise the Lord, say, thank you, Jesus. Say, I love you, Jesus. Finally, I said it again. I love you, Jesus. And I shook all over again. I shook all over again. And after a while, I said, I don't care how my knees feel. They're getting numb now again. I'm just going to worship God. And I started saying, praise the Lord. Thank you. Next thing I know, I was on my feet, standing up, had my hands lifted up. And the next thing I know, I was talking in tongues. I was worshiping God and glorifying God back and forth, back and forth, just talking in tongues. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and, you know, I'd been around Pentecost, but I didn't know about all these, everything. They took me out and baptized me in a bio. There's three of us that baptized that night. And we just prayed through and everything. I'm just trying to tell you here today, praise the Lord, that the Lord doesn't want anyone to miss that. Don't let that, don't miss that. For this promise is unto you and your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And if you feel the tug on your heart to come and repent and give your heart and life to God and respond to the Lord and give him everything and turn everything over to him, do it. Because God can give you that peace like nothing in the world is like it. Praise God. It's the greatest thing on the face of the earth. And then even, even after you're saved, after you're walking with God and you have the Holy Ghost, you can get burdened down with problems and difficulties and situations and circumstances. It can be uh, your job. It can be uh, Somebody on the job giving you all kinds of trouble. It could be in the family. It could be in your home. It could be with the kids. It could be with the, your brothers and sisters. It could be anybody. And it comes to, down to the place where you have to simply say, God, I want you to give me your rest. Praise the Lord. And the Lord wants us to have that rest. And I've been there. There's been times when I've been troubled and problems and everything. And I would remember those words. And I'd say, Lord, I need that rest I want you to touch my heart and touch my soul. And folks, it just come over me again. And I'd feel that peace. Sometimes you don't know how it's going to turn out. But you know it's going to be okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord doesn't tell you how he's going to work it out. He doesn't tell you what he's going to do to solve your problem. He just You just feel in your heart. It's going to be okay. The Lord has given me peace. I don't know what's going to happen. but It's, called, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you worship God. Praise the Lord. 
I remember one time years ago when I was up in Bible school, I was in my last year of school. I was working at a, in a factory, in a meatpacking plant, Swifts, and they fired me. And I said, I can't stay. I, I, can't, I can't stay on here. I, this is I, my last year in school, and I can't, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't go on because I don't have the money. I can't afford it. I'm going to have to go home. And I'm, here I am almost getting, uh, within months of graduating, and I, and I just can't make it. I never will forget driving home, had that old denim jacket. You know, Minnesota's cold in February. And uh, driving home from Swift's meat packing plant, they told me, it says, come in Monday and get your paycheck. You're, you're, we're going to have to let you go because there's been some uh, changes in the system and all that kind of stuff. And I said, all right. And I drove home, and I was so down and so down. I got home. Back, back in my little room where I was staying, pulled off that denim jacket. I threw it in the floor. I got down on my knees and buried my face in that jacket. And I said, Lord, I've tried to do everything I know to do. It was 11 o'clock at night. I'd been working that evening shift from 3 to 11. I was so tired. And I just wept and cried before the Lord. And I said, Lord, I just, I'm not going to make it. And... I fell off to sleep for about 10 minutes, and I woke up. And you know what I did when I woke up? I remember my old pastor says, always remember to praise the Lord. And I said, Jesus, I love you. I praise you. And I felt something go all through me. And I said, Lord, I worship you. I praise you. And I began to worship God and praise the Lord. Every, my whole world was upside down, but I began to just praise the Lord and worship the Lord. And folks, that peace, that peace came all over me. And next thing I know, I was up on my knees and then I was up on my feet. And I walked around in my room, my, my room there where I was staying. I walked around in that room, praise the Lord, just worshiping God. I don't know how long. I mean, it was an hour or so before I ever finally got dressed and just went to bed. And I said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's all in the hands of God. We were in revival. I went to, uh, went to a service and had a great time, worshiped God in church and glorified God. I said, I don't know how it's going to turn, turn out, but God's hand is on it all. Folks, some things you don't understand, but God gives you, I had such peace. I such a rest inside of me. Came Monday morning, I went down to Swift to pick up my check. And they said, oh, by the way, we're not going to let you go. We're going to ship you to another department. So come in on Monday, this Friday, this today. Come back uh, at 3 p.m. and start to work on the evening shift in a different department. Oh, by the way, this department is a lot easier than the other one. And oh, by the way, it pays more money. <laughs> and it was every bit true. I mean, they didn't tell me that, but that's what I was, what I became to find out. And God worked it all out. Folks, he's done that for you. If I were to ask for a show of hands, it'd be all over this audience. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm just telling you that the Lord, praise the Lord, just keeps on blessing his people. And there is a rest. Let me finish reading. These scriptures, look in Hebrews. I'm in Hebrews here 4. 
In verse 1, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us enter into his rest, even if you should seem to become short of it. Verse 2, 4, 2 of Hebrews. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. This is the Jewish people. This is the ones that did not accept Christ. And them which heard it, for we which have believed do enter into rest. If you believe, you enter into that rest. It's not a rest. It's not a day of rest. It is a. It is the this dispensational day of rest. <clears throat> if I can put it that way, as if I uh, and as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place on the seventh day of this wise, and God did rest the seventh day. From all his works, and in and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Verse nine, jumping down there to save time. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor. Let us that's all of us now. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall under the, the, the same example of unbelief. Praise the Lord. Now, I just want to just leave this with you here. Remember, whenever you feel like your back's against a wall and you don't know what's going to happen next, just say, God, I need your help. I need your spirit. And I know there's a rest in living in, in the Holy Ghost in walking with you. Now, I want to go. I want to close here. I've got just a few minutes here. I want you to look at number part two here. Look down here. This is a Roman numeral two. Look at this very closely here. Jesus' disciples eating the ears of corn. Now notice that. Number one, were they stealing the corn? I'm going to say that because some people think, oh, they were going through the cornfield eating. And the answer is no. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 23, 24. Then I'm going to show you something. Deuteronomy 23:24. This was in the law of Moses back in the Old Testament. When thou comest into thy neighbor's vineyard, then thou mayest eat grapes to thy, to thy fill at thine own pleasure. If you walk into somebody's vineyard and they got grapes, just pick them and eat them. It's all right. But thou shalt not put any in a vessel. You got it? Look at verse 25. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. So you can't go into your neighbor's corn field and harvest the corn. But if you're walking through there, or this was the Lord's law of the Old Testament. Anytime you walk through anybody's vineyard, fig trees, your yard, anything, and you pick something and you wanted to eat it, that was okay. And that's why that these disciples that the Bible talked about here that we first read about, they walking through the cornfields and eating the corn. It wasn't them picking somebody else's corn and eating it that was wrong. It was them doing it on the Sabbath day according to those Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes that were finding fault with them. So I just want to make that a, a, a clear that up, that there was no fault with it. Now, 
Look at number one here. God's regard for hunger. Now, he talked about, I got a scripture here in 1 Samuel. I, and, uh, well, we'll go there and read that. Look at 1 Samuel. Look at 1 Samuel 21, 3. This is when David first began to run from Saul. And he went to the town where there was the tabernacle. And the tabernacle had the holy place where they had the candlestick and the showbread. And the showbread was put there fresh every day, baked and put there by the priests. And nobody could eat the showbread but the priests only. And David was running and he had a few friends with him and they were fleeing with him. They had just got through talking to uh, uh, Jonathan and Jonathan said, David, get gone. You, My dad's got a bad attitude toward you. And David took off and he was without any food. They were hungry. And he went down to this town where this tabernacle was, came to that priest who had been a friend to him. Look at verse three. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand. Or what there is present. He told this priest, give me your bread. And of course, the priest there knew this bread was for the priest. Look at verse 6. So the priest gave him hallowed bread. Hallowed. For there was no bread there but the showbread, which was that bread that was baked just for the priest to eat. Nobody else could ever eat that bread. That was, but the, the showbread, that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now, what happened was in that particular day, they had just taken away the old bread that from the day before and was putting brand new, fresh baked bread there. And what they gave David and these others was the bread they had just taken out and taken away. And David said, give us that bread. And he took it and he ate it. And God never condemned him. Now, listen to me closely on this. God never condemned him on it. And when Jesus talked about it over here, when he talked about eating the corn, he reminded them, remember the story about David? David ate that showbread that was only for the priest to eat. But God never condemned him for it. Why? Because they were hungry. Now listen to me closely on this, folks. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There is something about God. He regards hunger. And I'm talking now about spiritual hunger. If you have a hunger for God, the Lord regards that. There's nothing that God regards and will even push away some laws or rules, let's say, to honor your hunger. If you have a hunger for God, a real genuine hunger. Now, look in, uh, we're there in, uh, we're in first Samuel. Look in Matthew 5, 6. Matthew 5, 6. And this is found in other verses of scriptures as well. But this is, uh, in part of the Beatitudes here found in Matthew. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. If there's anything that God honors, folks, is when there's a hunger and thirst for righteousness. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. And there's something about the Lord and all of the laws and rules and regulations and 
and, and ever this, if there is a hunger in a person's heart, God will push back a few things. It doesn't mean that he'll do it forever, but he'll do it temporarily. He'll push back some things and said, I'm going to honor your hunger. If you're hungry for me, I will not hold you back. If he would do that in the natural things, how much more so will he do it in the spiritual things? If men and women are hungry for God, and oh, I pray, this is one of my prayers that I'm praying in these last days. God, give people out there a hunger. I, I've been having a burden for the prodigals. I've been having a burden for the backsliders. I've been having a burden for those who have gone astray and praying, God, give them a hunger. Move on them. Touch their hearts. Stir them. Let them feel like I've got to get back to God because we don't have a lot of time. I know God's going to do a great work in these last days, but it's because it is the last days and we don't have a lot of time. And I'm telling you here today, folks, praise the Lord, that God will honor the, a hungry heart. Praise the Lord. And if you ever come across somebody that's searching, that's looking, that's hungry for something, I want you to know God will fill with the Holy Ghost. I was out canvassing many years ago. Uh, I don't even know where it was. Somewhere here in Palm Bay. I was canvassing, knocking on doors on a Saturday morning. And I opened the door and this, this lady came to us, African-American lady. She came to the door. And I told her, I said, I'm, you know, Brother, Brother Myers in the church down here, blah, 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 the pastor. We're out inviting people to church and Sunday school. We want you to come and be with us. What church is that? I told her, she said. And she said, I'll be there. When is that? Tomorrow morning. Yes, I'll be there, she said. And she said to me, I have been praying that God would send somebody along to show me the right way. Hallelujah. Her name was Delilah. Delilah came to church and she had a, had a son named Ian. She came to church, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, got saved and walked with God for years and got transferred on a job up to New England, uh, up to, uh, 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 it was Washington, D.C. area. Moved up there. Ian went with her. One day I saw this tall, handsome guy walk in the door. It's, you know, he walked up to me and said, Brother Myers, you don't, may not remember me, but I'm Ian. I said, you mean you're Delilah's son that came to church? Yeah. And she said, I was so hungry for God and somebody knocked on my door. Folks, they're out there. They are out there. Praise the Lord. We've got to reach them somehow or another. You may just cross them. You may cross their paths. You may see them in a Walmart. Who knows? And everything. And I said, how is your mother? And he said, she's still living for God, still going on for God, still loves the Lord. Praise the Lord. And he was a strapping, tall guy. And I said, and how are you doing? And he said, I'm saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking with God. And it's the best thing that ever happened Amen. to me and to us. I want you to know that this is for a lot of people that's yet to be saved. Praise the Lord. And all they need is a little hunger. And all you need is a little hunger. And God will give you the best that he's got that you can have in this life. Would you stand with me together and let's worship God and praise him. Let's thank him.